This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here now in week 17 of the NFL season. The Giants are sitting here with fate strictly in their own hands. And by strictly in their own hands, I don't mean, okay, they got to win two games, you know, win out the rest of the season. No, no. They simply have to win at home against the Indianapolis Colts, who right now, right now, as currently constituted, might be the worst team in the NFL. Indy's coming to MetLife Stadium on the road. On a short week, because they played on Monday night, they don't have their star running back. They don't have their star middle linebacker. Probably the two best players on their entire team are out. They have no quarterback. Nick Foles is starting. And all the Giants need to do is win at home against this, against this Indianapolis Colts team. So let's be fair. There are no excuses. If the Giants do not make the playoffs, they have nobody to blame but themselves. They can look themselves in the mirror and blame themselves. And we'll sit here, and I'll tell you, still a successful season, right? It could still be a successful season, but at the same time, be a disappointing end to the season and a disappointing season because of the way it ended. And it will be. If the Giants lose at home to Indianapolis this week as five-point favorites right now, probably might even go even higher than that, then it will be a disappointing season but yet a success at the same time. I know that seems contradictory, but it's not. They can be separated. They don't have to be one thing. But you will feel crappy about the way it ended also because of week 18, who knows what happens. I highly doubt the Eagles have much to play for in week 18 and therefore handle that almost like a preseason game. So again, another game the Giants should win. But it shouldn't even come down to that. Now, the reason the Giants are in this situation is because they lost in Minnesota the other day. 27-24. Crazy game, back and forth. They lose on a 61-yard field goal. Field goal, really wild. That over the past decade, there have been three 60-plus-yard field goals to end the game, and uh, five of them. Sorry, five 60-plus-yard field goals to end the game, and three of them have come against the Giants. Right, 32 teams, yet three of the five have come against the Giants, which is a random, random, random stat. But it's also Heartbreaking if you're the Giants because that's killer ways to lose games. Uh, you had Jake Elliott do it for the Eagles. You had Graham Gano do it when he was on the Panthers against the Giants before Gano came to the Giants. And now you have Greg Joseph, 61 yards to win the game as time expired. Crazy ending. Quite frankly, the reason the Giants lost that game is because they made mistakes and didn't make plays in the fourth quarter. And so we're sitting in the press room or – sorry, post-game interview room in the bowels of uh, the U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. And it's kind of adjacent and connected to the coach's locker room. The door is closed there, but it says coach's locker room. And so we're waiting for Brian Dable to come out. 
and all of a sudden you hear like a locker get smacked or kicked and an obscenity, and you could tell somebody was not happy with the way that game ended. Likely a pretty good guess that that somebody was Brian Dable because we see him on the sideline. He comes out and says, you know, you have to be steady. Uh, you know, it's a keep your composure. Look to the, you know, worry about the next game. But yeah, you watch him on the sideline, and the dude's a raging lunatic. You know, he's a ball of emotions, which that's fine. I just thought the way he portrays it afterwards, like, you know, we're just gonna go about our business, uh, stay calm, not get too worked up about anything, not make too much about anything. But yet at the same time, the flip side, the contradictory side of it, is that on the sideline, we've seen him just go bonkers. Throughout games. Every game, really. That's just how he operates. So, it's kind of funny. So, it's fair to say, it's probably a pretty good guess that that person dropping the F-bomb and kicking or punching or whatever the locker was probably Brian Dable. And you could see why. Even when he came out, you could see he was pissed. Dude was mad at the way that that game ended. And yes, the Giants took the number two seed in the NFC to the wire played a really tight game, but yet at the same time had chances to win and played poorly, especially in the fourth quarter. Drops, drop passes, an interception, a blocked punt, uh, allowed third and longs to be converted, a dropped interception, and really everything that they had done correctly the first half of the season was kind of why they didn't win the game, right? All, they were seemingly made every play in the fourth quarter, and this is why, in a way, we all knew it wasn't sustainable. It's not sustainable to make every play in the fourth quarter and to always make the big plays. Like this time, the ball slipped through Cordell Flott's hands a little bit, was overturned his interception, which would have been huge. But no, it hit the ground. Like that was the kind of play the Giants were making earlier in the season. They're not making right now, really, for the better part of the last six weeks or so. Now, the positives out of that game is, again, the offense showed signs of life. And I know Minnesota stinks defensively. Their secondary is awful. Daniel Jones, top 300 yards, you know, lit him up. But the Giants' offense in whole had 400-plus yards. And really, who cares what kind of defense it's against? Because 445 yards of total offense was the most the Giants have had in a game this season. So the fact that they were put it, able to put it together, I don't care who the competition is, is positive. Saquon and Daniel Jones both played pretty well down the stretch. Drove him down the field. Big fourth down. Giants down eight. Two-plus minutes left. Hand off to Saquon Barkley. Gets in the end zone touchdown. Daniel Jones had a ridiculous two-point conversion pass. Drops it over the defender in the back of the end zone after he has to move and create and make time. So the fact that the two of them, the two with the, big, the biggest decisions coming up this offseason, the two of them that are – along with Andrew Thomas, the best offensive players on this team by a pretty wide margin, the fact that they're coming up big in big spots down the stretch, I don't know how you don't look that as look at that as a positive for this team and the franchise moving forward. And to me, it's sort of cementing their place with the Giants. I can't see the Giants making the playoffs, which I assume they will, which I'm predicting they will, with their two best offensive players, at least skill-wise, coming up big in big spots and having good seasons, it's hard to see them moving off those guys after this year. It really is. It's becoming harder and harder. And I'm just not seeing it. I, 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 I believe there is a solution out there for both parties and all parties, actually. I should say both parties. There's actually three parties. The Giants, Saquon, and Daniel Jones. 
that works for everybody. And I think it's beneficial for them to kind of stay in the same system. They're kind of building something here. They want to they wanted be part of this. They were here for the bad times. Now they're here for the good year. And this is a good year, especially comparative, comparatively. That they want to be with it going forward. Now one more thing real quick, or actually two more things real quick, before we get to your questions with a big monster giants after dark, okay? I know a lot of people said afterwards they had a problem. Wink's got to stop blitzing. Sometimes you got to sit back. And look, you have to understand, and this is the way the Giants feel. Trust me, I've talked to enough people about this. They feel that they have to blitz. They have to pressure the quarterback because they know they cannot cover on the back end. In addition to that's how Wink's going to play anyway. Like, they know they can't cover on the back end. Nick McLeod and Fabian Moreau are not going to be able to cover on the back end, even with help. Like, they know that. I mean, Darnay Holmes in the slot, not a great guy, cover guy right now. Now, the blitzes came back to hurt, and Jefferson beat them. But we also have to be realistic. There's no one on the Giants that can cover Justin Jefferson. That includes if Adoree Jackson is healthy. The question coming into the season with Adoree Jackson, we're yearning for him now, and I get it because the fall off is, is massive. This isn't a knock on Fabian Moreau either. He's being asked to do something that he's unequipped for. But Dory Jackson, the knock on him coming in is, hey, he's a really good number two. Do we really want him being a number one? Like a Dory Jackson against some of the top receivers is not, not the matchup you want. Even if you want to look back into that Seattle game, Dory Jackson was probably lucky he didn't let up two touchdowns, two or three touchdowns, you know, when he's going against Lockett and DK. So it's not the BL all end all of this team. They need significant help in that secondary. My opinion, they need a number one cornerback. Now, the Giants are going to play this week. They're going to play on Sunday at home against a bad Colts team. It doesn't matter. Don't think for a second that John Mara and Steve Tisch don't notice and aren't inside giddy. Giddy that there's basically going to be a playoff game in January in MetLife Stadium. After the past five years, don't think for a second that that's not the case. And so remember that when you're talking about what is the future of some of their best players moving forward, the players that got them there this year. That showed that they can lead a team to this point, right? And Brian Dable deserves a ton of credit and his whole staff. They've done an incredible job extracting every last thing out of this, let's say, flawed roster. But at the same time, You have to give Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley massive credit for them getting there because offensively, they're pretty much all they got. It's the two of them and Andrew Thomas and a bunch of Jags. That's where they're at. So remember that when it comes later on and we're talking about whether the Giants should bring back Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. That ownership's going to have in the back of their mind that these two guys have already showed us they can get a team to the playoffs because that's where we think the Giants are going. They're not losing to Indianapolis. They're not calling it right now. All right, let me answer your questions. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Ah, yes, it's that time in this podcast where I answer all your deepest, darkest, Giants questions in Giants After Dark. We're going to do a 12-pack here. Start with Nick Rose from Instagram. He says, hey, Jordan, as things currently stand here in late December, what's your updated prediction on how the Jones and Barkley contracts are resolved? Uh, So I think I kind of just mentioned this, but to me – both of them are significantly greater than 50% to return at this point. Just because, I mean, because they are key players, their best players on offense, to subsequently turn around after making the playoffs and get rid of some of your best players for a team that, quite frankly, is bereft of talent overall, just seems wrong, to be honest with you. And so the way I view it is I just don't see, and I know Joe Shane maybe – had different plans coming in, but it's just hard for me to imagine ownership signing off on allowing some of their best players to walk. Now, I think even with those guys, like it's not out of the question that next year this team could take a step backwards. They could be a better team, but still, still take a step backwards next season, if that makes sense. Like everything kind of worked out right for them at the beginning of the year. Uh, their schedule was super easy, right? Think about it. They play the AFC South. That division stinks. They're about to sweep the AFC South. It's probably not going to be so easy next year. Uh, next question. Uh, I got two of them, basically, uh, from Carson H- Hageman and Jesse Mancini, also off uh, Instagram. I'm going to go with Jesse, but it's kind of the same topic here. Jesse from Hawaii, I hope you're enjoying your holidays this year. I don't know when you're going to do another Giants After Dark today. This was last week, though. But I have a question regarding the future of Leonard Williams. My wife just bought his jersey for Christmas because I always talk about how much I like him. But is he likely to be on the team next year? I'm afraid to rip off the tags. Yeah, and it's a risky one, Jesse. It really is. It's a risky one because Leonard Williams, you know, he's he's set to make – uh, I believe it's $19 million next year. And we're talking about having a cap number that's over 30 something million. But the dude's a good player. I know he's been banged up this year. And that's the strength of the team. Like, the Giants want to build around that front, right? That's what we've always known the Giants to be strong fronts. So I feel like they would like to keep him. Now, is there a solution? He's the one that's more of a coin flip. Because he's been injured this year, right? Because his cap number is so huge, and they already have other good players at that position, yeah, do they need depth? Absolutely. But it's a position where you could draft a starter in the first few rounds of the draft, right? Two, even three rounds of the draft. You could draft a starter at that position. Now, he's not going to be as good as Leonard Williams, especially off the bat. But I do also think there's a solution. Now, it does put you in an awkward position because of the jersey. Let me tell you, I once bought a I got the only time I ever got a hockey jersey. Got an official Bernie Nichols jersey. I was I love Bernie Nichols on the Rangers. Uh, he was really good. You know, he I think he had just scored fifty goals. So I was all 
gung-ho Bernie Nichols. Love Bernie Nichols. I got this jersey from my parents, I believe, for the holidays. I get the Bernie Nichols jersey, and guess what happens? They trade him less than a month later for Mark Messier. So I had this beautiful Bernie Nichols jersey and never wore it again. That could happen with Leonard Williams. So it's a little dangerous. I'll put it at 50-50 right now. Santini, Santino Galati. Who has the strongest case to be re-signed by the Giants this offseason? Quite frankly, it's got to be Saquon. We say, okay, I've been your best offensive player by a wide margin all year long. Right? He's going to lead them in yards. He's going to lead them in touchdowns. He's going to lead them in touches. Team has used him in a ridiculous amount of time. Right? Like I'm talking about close to 80-plus percent of the offensive snaps, and then you're not going to re-sign him? Like if you're Saquon, you're pissed if they really don't want to re-sign you because they just wanted to use you up and then th- toss you to the curb if that's the case. Right? Because he basically did everything you asked of him this year. Played 80-plus percent of the snaps as a running back, which is a wild number, and then you still didn't want to re-sign him? That would be tough. That would be tough to handle. At least, at least you got a franchise tag. Uh, and I think they will. I don't think there's any doubt about that. NYG Fan 1 says, Any more news in regards to Odell? Odell Beckham, obviously. And adding another wide receiver before the playoff push. I mean, come on. We're in Week 17 already. Do we really think that Odell Beckham, who has not played in what? Since the Super Bowl? 11 months is going to come back and be able to play at this point this year. That ship has sailed. He's best off. He's going to wait till he's going to wait till the offseason. That that's done, okay? Now, getting another receiver like it's in weeks that we're in week 17 already. You're going to get a guy and throw him in there. Like the the receivers are who they are. You're not getting anyone better out there right now to do more than Isaiah Hodgins or Richie James or Darius Slayton. That's just the reality. So, that's where the Giants are at. Uh, at Star Technology, Technology 16 says, if Di- Giants don't commit to Daniel Jones long-term, would they sign Lamar Jackson? Okay, let me explain this to people because I don't think people completely understand this. Do we really think that the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best franchises out there, the m- most well-run franchises for, what, two decades, is going to just simply let Lamar Jackson walk? and become a free agent? Does that make any sense to anybody? At the very least, they're going to franchise tag him and trade him. Whereas you're going to have to go pay a shit ton for Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? You're going to then have to give up significant assets, multiple, multiple, first round, second round, third round picks, whatever, and then pay him a ridiculous amount and a contract because Lamar Jackson's really good. They're not going to let him walk and just simply become a free agent. I don't know why people seem to think that that's, oh, yeah, we could just go sign Lamar. Lamar Jackson is not just available to sign. You will have to trade for him at the very minimum. On top of the fact, I don't think the Baltimore Ravens want to get rid of him. Now, it's a complicated situation because now he's been injured two years in a row. You have to worry about, okay, running quarterback long-term, is it a good investment? And especially if he wants that $240 million fully guaranteed that uh, Deshaun Watson got, yeah, then maybe they won't want to do it and eventually they'll end up having to trade him. But it'll be a trade. Lamar Jackson's not becoming a free agent and hitting free agency where anyone could just go and sign him. Signed, sealed, delivered. Okay? That's done. Uh, Anunabi Dynasty asked me, what's the status of Xavier McKinney? Will we see him in the regular season? Will will he see regular season snaps? Will he be in a club or had Dabo ruled out that idea? Well, I spoke to McKinney last week. And kind of the gist that I got from that is he's hoping to be back with some sort of solution of not having to wear a club. Now, he was meeting with doctors last week. It doesn't appear 
that he's still super close. Remember, he hasn't been back at practice yet. Same with Dory Jackson. It makes it very unlikely, and I'm sitting here on Tuesday night taping this, that either one of them gets back by this week. Now, week 18, maybe. I can see Dory. He's probably he's ahead of McKinney at this point. McKinney, best case at this point, seems to be uh, playoffs and maybe not have to wear a club. So that's that's where I stand on that. That's my interpretation of the situation so far. At Bradley5962450 says, what's the real story behind the lack of playing time for Kenny Galladay? Even using him as a decoy to open up other receivers seems plausible. Give us your thoughts. I don't understand. And I'm not pick, I'm not trying to pick on you here, Bradley. I, I Literally, I mean, I had over 100 comments on the tweet that I put out for, you know, send your questions to me. And there was at least like 10 of them asking about Galladay. I think they misused him. How come they're not, how come he doesn't get a chance? Like we we just it's done. It's over. He had multiple opportunities. If you remember, he started the season off. They gave him an opportunity, even though they knew in the preseason that he was kind of shot. Did nothing. Two catches, twenty two yards. Okay. They phase him out. They don't want to play him. He gets he comes back, gets injured blocking. Comes back again, they, okay, we go through this whole ring of roll again, right? Oh, yes, Kenny Galladay's coming back. Maybe, just maybe he could put it together now. Would he last, a half until they gave up on him again? I said it this summer. He looked like he was running with the stiffness of a mannequin, okay? You saw it last year, by the way. I even sent someone a video last year. I'm like, man, does he look stiff to you or not? And it's a personnel executive. And he's like, yes, that looks really bad. Him like running routes last year. And so... He got banged up last year, knee, hamstring, again, procedure this, again, this this spring. Remember, he sat out the spring, had some sort of knee procedure. He was never explosive. He's lost, he's lost it. He keeps losing a little bit more with all these injuries throughout his career. He can't get open anymore. He can't move. He can't separate. It's not there. It's over. People ask me every week, is this the week Galladay comes back? No, it's not the week that Galladay comes back. The week that Galladay comes back is never right now. It's over for him here in New York. And to be quite honest, I'd be surprised if he does anything else in the rest of his NFL career. John Snowglobe asks, you doing the kick or what? Yeah. Remember uh, Biz, Chris Bizignati, bet me about doing the kick. I have to kick a 30-yard field goal. My leg is really still not 100%. I know it sounds ridiculous. I popped my quad like probably like two months ago at this point. But I'm old. And I'm almost there, but still not quite there. I, th- I, I think I'm really close. Like I, I would contemplate doing it in the next two weeks. But let me get one more run in to see if I can get my leg. I still feel it sometimes in my quad. I, my quad just doesn't feel right. So it makes me nervous that if I go out there in the cold and try to kick that 30-yard field goal, that I'm just going to pop my quad when I go to make that kick. Uh Joey Mobboss says, given the success the Giants have had this season, is it fair to say that Gettleman's inability to recognize head coaching talent spelled his doom to a greater extent than his flawed roster management? I I don't think that's the case because, quite frankly, uh, the same optimism we have right now, and I think he's doing a better job, by the way, with Brian Dable, is the same optimism we had in that first year with Joe Judge. And they stole some games, and I give Brian Dable the credit for that, but they also had a a favorable schedule. Things just bounce their way a bunch. I, 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 I just, I don't see them being there, and I still see 
like, what are we going to give Gettleman credit now? For he had four top ten picks, right? He had what five or six first round picks. I mean, he's produced two Pro Bowlers so far. Andrew Thomas is a really good player. He'll get a Pro Bowl in his career, but he has not produced. None of the Gettleman picks from the second round have turned it, you know, or third round or fourth round have been like home run pick. Like we're still sitting here with a bunch of a bunch of nothings. Me and you, Joey, could have picked some winners in the first round. Like, yeah, sure, I could have picked Saquon Barkley second overall. Probably wouldn't have. But, I mean, it's not hard. Yeah, we got a pro ball. We picked a running back second overall. And the only other pro baller he got out of that is Dexter Lawrence. That was from that trade with uh, Odell. And then, to be fair, all his, I mean, 90% of Gettleman's free agents' uh, acquisitions were just disasters. I mean, total disasters. Dust balls. Patrick Omame. Kyle Rudolph. Galladay left, left you the, the gift of Kenny Galladay he left you. The gift of Kenny Galladay. I should almost rule out everything. Golden Tate. You know, uh, Nate Solder. I mean, should I really go on? Can't give him credit for anything. He did a horrible job to the point where we could have done a better job. Legitimately, we could have done a better job. At Brian Porras, B Porras 1 asks, which stadium has the best food for press? Now, we're coming off a game where we went to Minnesota. By the way, so two carving stations, prime rib, a beautiful-looking, all-white-out, uh, holiday-style dessert table, uh, you, you know, uh, breakfast food of bacon, and uh, I think one of them, it was a quiche in there, sausage links, I mean, salads, really good, really good fare, a really good pre-Christmas Eve fare at Minnesota. But number one is Dallas. I think I told you about Dallas's. Thanksgiving, but Dallas is just always dynamite. And there's some other good ones out there, trust me. But can't be Dallas. I mean, the dessert table at Dallas alone. I'm obviously, as you can tell, I'm a dessert guy. And they have Dallas also always. They have the carving stations always. Can't go wrong with a carving station. A prime rib, where I think Dallas it was a ribeye, like a beautiful ribeye. Although the prime rib at uh, Minnesota had a really, uh, it was really well seasoned, had good taste. My boys at Key, Jay, and Max, Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max, the ESPN morning radio show, asked me, are the Giants going to jump into the receiver market? And if so, who would you like to see them go after? And now I'm going to answer this because we spoke, we heard from Max recently. Jay Will, also a Giants fan, and their producer, Shannon, another Giants fan. So heavy Giants contingent on that show. And I think the answer for the Giants is, okay, they have – Ronde- Wandale Robinson coming back, right? Darius Slayton would be one I would I, I think they should resign. Okay. Sterling Shepard also, I think, would come back on a minimum deal. You just have him as like insurance contingency. But we're not even gonna count him because you can't count him right now with the, all the injuries. The injury history on him is too big to even count on him. But let's say they have Wandale Robinson and Slayton. You draft a wide receiver, I believe, in the second or third round. Second round has been a gold mine. I don't think you necessarily have to go in the first round because the wide receiving group this year in free agency is terrible. Like, literally, Odell's probably the best solution. And I don't think that's the answer off two straight years. Too big a risk for this Giants team, right? Not two straight years, but two ACLs. And then you have guys like Jacoby Myers and Juju. Juju's a slot guy, so that's not a fit because that's where Wondell Robinson goes, right? And then Jacoby Meyer just doesn't do it for me. So I think the solution is to trade for a high-end guy. 
Now, you're going to need to find an interesting one, like like the Buffalo Bills with Stephon Diggs. We're a team where they maybe have two wide receivers. they got to pay both. They have to make a decision. And the Vikings paid Adam Thielen. Diggs was unhappy. He had to go. So the Bills took advantage. Now, you need to find someone like that. Now, one name that has been brought up to me already would be, hey, what about T. Higgins? Because, you know, the Bengals have T. Higgins, great receiver. Dude's really good. High end. If he's the number one, could be even better. But he kind of plays second fiddle right now to Jamar Chase. And we know Jamar Chase, they're not letting him go. He's eventually going to have to get a second contract. So it's whether it's this year or next year, it might be hard for them to, to invest that much in those two wide receivers. So maybe a guy like T. Higgins. Now, maybe they won't do it with Higgins because they have, they're trying to win a Super Bowl. But a guy like that that's out there. That's the first name that came to mind for me. You know, maybe Brandon Ayuk with the 49ers, somebody like that. I don't know if he's necessarily a number one. I don't see it. But I'm just trying to come up with guys that might make sense for the Giants. Whereas they're not the number one guy on their team right now. They might You might be able to trade for them if you give up the right asset, you know, a second-round pick or whatever. But the Giants, again, they don't have a ton of picks. Joe Shane's going to have to be really inventive in order to fill out this roster. Uh, Tyler Barch, we're going to run through a couple more real quick. Why is Jason Pinnock playing over Belton the last month or so? Thought he lo- thought Belton looked promising. Did he do something to get in Wings Stockhouse? The reality is Dame Belton struggled and struggled greatly. You want to go look at uh, pro football focus stats? And look, they're not the be-all, end-all. But I think last I checked, he was like 88th out of 88 safeties in the, in the grading. So he really didn't play well. That's why Dame Belton's not on the bench. And Jason Pinnock, quite frankly, has played pretty well. I think he's done really well filling in in that role. Like he's proved to be a quality player. And it's like, is he a high-end player? No. I don't see that right now. Maybe he could grow into one. But he's done an admirable job filling in. And I like what I've seen from Jason Pinnock. He's been way better than Dame Belton. Uh, Ski Farm Vermont says, what are the chances the Eagles rest their starters? This will be the last question. Number 12, what are the chances the Eagles rest their starters for the last game of the season? I think they're pretty high because when you talk to people in Philadelphia, they tell you Nick Sirianni was a guy who's super conservative in the preseason anyway. So if the Eagles have are playing for absolutely nothing and just to keep guys fresh, I really don't see them playing any of their guys at all, especially Jalen Hurts. Unless the game means everything and Jalen Hurts is 100%, if he has a banged-up elbow uh, shoulder and his shoulder is obviously – hurt because he missed the game, might miss another game this week. Do you want him taking any hits and possibly landing on that shoulder? Is it worth keeping him fresh and potentially losing him for the postseason? The answer to that is no. So I think as long as either Minnesota loses or the Eagles win this week in week 17, you will not see many, if any, of the Eagles stars. If you do, talking about a drive, a quarter, probably not even a half. So quite frankly, if the Giants do blow it this week against Indy, which I don't see happening, they should be able to beat the Eagles' backups. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, I'm going to wrap up on this. This might be one of my proudest moments in a long time, right? Because one of my least favorite things in life, really, I don't mind like the people leaning back and reclining in their airplane chair as much as most. But what does bother me are the miscreants that think they can just run in front of you and try to get off the plane. Like, you know, they're, they're trying to get off the plane in the one second before everyone stands up and cut everybody off when really they only end up going in front of like five other people. Like, what the hell are you doing? So, let me lay this out. We're going to Minneapolis. We're flying to Minnesota. It is Friday of Christmas weekend, right? Christmas Eve is Saturday night. Christmas is Sunday. So there's a lot of people flying. The weather's crappy all over the place. Flights are getting delayed, canceled. I'm on the last flight out. I think it was 6 p.m. It got delayed a couple times. We get on the flight. Whatever. Everyone's just happy the flight is going to Minneapolis. We're going to get there. Really, you didn't hear many, if any, complaints at all. As you know, the flight was delayed a couple times. This one guy, you know, I'm sitting in, I think, you know, midway in the plane. Not too far forward, not too far back. I let an, a lady, you know, older lady, probably in her 60s, out, you know, she's across from me. I let her out. And this dude behind us, probably like three rows behind us, with a rolling suitcase, starts going forward and tries to bolt and get past us. As I'm like going to get my suitcase up top to get out. So I use my foot as sort of a doorstop on his suitcase and just boom, stop him in his tracks, right? Look, he looks up at me. I'm like, do you think we're not trying to get off the plane as well? And he was just petrified. Probably like a 20-ish, 20-something-year-old guy, you know, smallish, maybe 5'11", skinny-ish, skinnier than me. And he was just so... Shocked, I believe, that I put the stop on him for trying to make the run for it and cut off, like, four people. Like, seriously, what are you trying to cut off four people and get off the plane for, for real quick? You're, you're literally going to get off the plane and save yourself. Like, I'll be there at the same place as this guy is in one minute. You're going to be an a-hole for one minute to get it off one minute quicker? Like, it's not like he was trying to make another flight because everybody on the plane allowed the people who were trying to make their connection off beforehand the Christmas spirit right no but this guy he decides to make the bolt for it and cut off about three rows no 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 my friend I stopped him I felt like an American hero I felt like a true American hero you could see the people around me like giving me the head nod you know like yeah yeah no one needs to say anything all nonverbal communication we were all on the same page yeah I did I did God's work right there. I'm really proud of myself for that one. It always drives me nuts when people try and do that and run off the plane real quick and save themselves a minute. And by doing that, they're just being the a-hole on the plane. But no, not this time. I would not let it happen. Not on the day before Christmas Eve. Not on my plane, young man. I put my foot down for the losers who try to get off the plane 
as if they're more important than everybody else. Like, I don't want to get off the plane too. You think I want to sit here on the plane any longer? I don't want to get off. You're more important than everyone else? No, no, no. Not today, my friend, I said. Not today. American hero kind of stuff right there. And I know the people around me appreciated it. So, all right, that's my Jordan on the beat. That's the portion of this episode where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, uh, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. And that was my travel story for the week. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. You know how to find me, uh, Instagram, Facebook. I don't use Facebook very often. I don't even know why I say that. Twitter, email, TikTok. You know how to find me. And as always, like, subscribe, tell your friends, Breaking Big Blue. I do stuff like put my foot down and stop people from cutting you off and running off the plane. You know you like that. You like that. You listen to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.